Thanks for tuning in to today's podcast. Please remember that all of the information in this podcast episode is limited to general information only. That means the information is not specific to you, your needs, goals, or objectives. So you should seek the advice of a licensed and trusted financial professional before acting on the information. And before you acquire or apply for a financial product, please read the PDS or product disclosure statement, which should be available on the issuer's website. Lastly, please keep in mind that past performance is not indicative of future performance. Kate Campbell, welcome to this episode of the Australian Finance Podcast. Good to be back, Owen. Yeah, we've got a very special guest with us. One of the OGs, or the OG of the Australian Finance Podcast, Bronwyn, aka Miss Moneybox. How are you going? I'm good. How are you? Very well, thanks. It's been a long time. It has, we haven't seen you on the podcast since 2019. 2019, 2019, yep. We're in a different office with different microphones and didn't know what we're doing. Yeah, we were just talking off air at that just reminiscing of the time we all met each other. And one of those stories was you moved from Sydney from did, to yeah. Melbourne and I messaged you on Twitter. That's right. And we had coffee. Yeah. A bit of a rando. And you had a broken foot. Yeah. Yeah. I was, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I was on crutches at the time, but it would have been around then. And we went to Manchester Press here in Melbourne. We did. Yeah. They right. do good bagels. And, and good coffee. Good coffee. Yeah. Strong mm. coffee. And you guys met each other, we think, in person first time. At the- Late 2018 at one of your events. Yeah. That's cool. Isn't that funny? How Internet friends in real life. Yeah. IRL. <laughs> <laughs> it happens. And so you've been on the podcast before. Yes. But this is the first, um, I guess, opportunity for you to share publicly what you've been working on, which is super cool. Um, really exciting. And um, we've been looking forward to doing this because Kate and I want to talk about super more often. Mm-hmm. But in particular, we often come up against this huge challenge, which is getting getting women involved in the financial conversation and particularly when we talk about investing we see it on the when we do investing events mostly men and you've just kind of excelled in this area of trying to understand the barriers what women can do in particular to kind of right the ship insofar as super yes so we're going to talk about that throughout this podcast before we get to that kate can you just tell us what is super Yeah. So for a quick refresher, and we didn't want to touch on it too much because we have done some earlier episodes on super and I'll link to them in the show notes, but superannuation is essentially the money that's supposed to keep you going in retirement. So I think it's just increased to about 10%. Yes, it has from July 1st, 2021. Yeah. And we're recording this brand new financial year. So it's the general employee, if you're working a normal nine to five, your employer is paying you 10% of your salary into a special account called your super account. And you actually get to choose what company that is in most circumstances and what fund that is. So if you've listened to past podcasts, you'll have heard about us talk about risk profiles and different investments and investing in shares and ETFs and all of that. So you actually do have quite a lot of choice there. Um, And you're locking this money away for your retirement in maybe 40, 50 years time. I don't don't know how long until I retire, hopefully a while away. Like it's at minimum 65. Yeah, and the government could push that back further for our age group. Yeah, if you're if you're 20 and you're listening to this, you might think, oh, it's 45 years. Um, but by the time you get there, it might actually be 55 years because they might move the age you know, bracket further up as people get older and live longer and the government needs to support people in retirement. Mm. Um, because it's yeah. so far away, people just kind of tune out and don't think about it too much. And, I mean, we've talked about it since sort of the very first 10 episodes we did back a few years ago. But 
I think slowly people have been tuning into their super a bit more, especially since people could take money out during COVID. Um, that it got a lot of press there and the super fun phone lines because we had one of our guys working at the super fund, he just said it was off the charts, the amount of people calling into the yeah, super fund. There's some fun. scary stories too, right? Like yeah. He said there was a, the day that he left, I think it was, there was a 26-year-old uh, female who rang up and said, oh, can you tell me how much I've got in your super? I think I'm eligible to get it out. And he looked at her super fund and half of it was in cash and the other half was fixed interest, like oh, bonds. This, this kills me. To yeah, it. so it was like an absolute nightmare for a 26-year-old who doesn't understand super, who's kind of acting probably out of emotion at that time and forgets that, well, doesn't it just basically just doesn't understand, right, that she had 40 years to go before she'd even get close to accessing that money. So it should never be that much in fixed interest and that much in cash. So he was kind of shocked about that. But some of the stories that we heard coming out of that are remarkable. Why don't we throw it over to you, Bronson, that you're the expert here. Um, I guess maybe can I just ask just, from a high level, can you just explain kind of what, you, what you've been researching? Sure. So I am currently undertaking a PhD at RMIT and top level I'm researching how to engage younger Australian women with their superannuation. There's this big super gap that exists between women and men in Australia. It's, uh, 37%, depends on your source, but that's the one I'm using. A um, couple of reasons for that. Um, the design of the system, career interruptions, and then caring responsibilities. So I'm focused on millennials because research shows that this gap gets very, very wide when women and men are in their 30s. So my age range is 25 to 40. So I'm looking at what this group of women can do at this point in their lives so they don't end up, you know, Homeless, which is another scary statistic that's been coming out in the media of, of women over 55 and now this this rising group of homelessness in Australia. So uh, I'm exploring the sources of self-efficacy and how they can help women to build up their self-belief, awareness and confidence uh, to make changes today for a better financial well-being in the future. And it's been a bit, it's definitely been hard to date with women taking time off work, possibly in 30s, which is some of the best years for compound interest, especially if you have a 40 or 50 year working career, like the 20s and 30s are when it's so important. So it's really tough to miss out of a decade of superannuation payments because maybe you're out of the workforce or only working part-time or casual for a while. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, in your 30s, it's really hard. I think a lot of women and, and men, everyone, they don't, engage so much with their super because of, of that time difference. It's so far it's away. It's so far away. And that's something I've explored in my in my research as well. You know, why why don't people care? What can be done about getting people to care? And I guess we'll talk about that. Yeah. 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 Dive into some of the nitty gritty. Yeah. So and I think I think there's well just from a if I just take a step back and just think about like a 20 year old female like the one that we just talked about. Yeah. If you think about her situation where she's got half in cash, half in fixed interest, which is probably the worst allocation of super I've ever seen or heard of. If you think about that person at 26 versus that at 40 years old, just based on that allocation investing, they're probably not going to go even forward. They might even just go flat, maybe at the pace of inflation, which is very slow, versus someone who actually has a under, basic understanding 
or even a male that's not going to be interrupted and has the understanding, you can see how those two things diverge pretty quickly. So super important thing that you're tackling, super important. And you're doing things, just just before we get into some questions, um, you're doing things like asking questions, you're interviewing women and doing all those types of things as well as part of the research, right? So it's not just done in like a laboratory if people are thinking PhD. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. no, I don't think I would have signed up if that was part of the job. Um, no, it's so I'm doing qualitative research. So I've done one round of qualitative interviews. That was 20 women one-on-one and then now I'm recruiting for a second round and then after that I'm going to be doing a sort of online ethnography study. Um, What does that mean? uh, Yeah, I know. Looking at Facebook groups, uh, finance Uh, Facebook groups and how people... There's a lot of fun in those groups. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, Um, Yeah, right. Okay. And how people interact on those and what, you know, what drives someone to comment or like or share or just lurk. And, yeah. and what people are learning in there. In a social, like an online, the, the kind of the new age way to get information out of a social circle is online, right? Yes. Yeah. And because advice is still something that's Quite not as accessible mm. for most people, this is where people are going. Yeah, right. Okay. So I guess the this is kind of cutting to the chase, I guess, but it's a good question is, and Kate prepared this question, which is what can be done to level the playing field both at like the systemic level, so for the whole of Australia, and then at an individual level, like what are some of the things that we can do to help close that gap? So at a systematic level, I guess, and this is really easy to say but very hard to do, there needs to be this recognition that gender has an effect on retirement outcomes. So the difference between men's experience of work and women's, it's different. It would be great if super could be paid on parental leave. (laughs) You know, they just recently changed the, you know, removed that 450 super threshold, which was, you know, stopping casual workers or people on a lower income from getting super. Which is ridiculous when you think of, like, why why was that rule ever brought in? I remember reading that uni thinking, this is the stupidest thing I've ever come across. I don't understand. So for people who don't know, if you didn't earn more than 450, you you wouldn't get super. No Your super. Your employer didn't have to pay it, which I was like, oh, that's crazy. And if you had a number of casual jobs, so, you know, at one you earned 300 a month, at one you earned 400, that's still no yeah. super. And the thing is, it's a lot of women in these roles. Yeah, yeah. Predominantly. And how about you said uh, no super on parental? Parental leave. Well, that, so they should mandate, the government should mandate that super gets paid on parental leave, like on top of. Yeah, right. I didn't even know that was a thing. Some I thought, companies I just assumed offer that it. If we ever had to do that, we would just do it anyway. Like you would do it? Yeah, like yeah. a company would do that. And some companies do, but not all. And I guess the tax system as well, like it just, it could be fairer. So it benefits high income earners and low income earners are often more, again, more, more so women. You know, there's the tax benefit of, you know, salary sacrificing to min- minimize your yeah. tax yeah, taxable. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. Yep. Yeah, so that's the structural things I would suggest. Yep. Did you ask me something else? Well, yeah, it was more like at an individual level. So what can so we have you know tens of thousands of people that listen to this podcast. Yeah. What can either if if there's women listening right now, if there's partners listening, which we know there is heaps mm-hmm. people out there. Um, if there's parents, brothers, sisters, what can what can you say to them to help? the people around them or themselves to not be in this situation. So this is what I'm looking at. Uh, it's like the crux of my 
my work at the moment, I'm looking at three encounters. So it's the com- combine, contribute, and invest. So what I mean by that is combining your funds so that you just have one, so that you're not paying multiple sets of fees or multiple sets of insurance fees. Contribute, uh, so that's add more if you can. And invest, that's knowing what you should be invested in for your age or your risk tolerance. So that's three things you can do. Two of them will cost you nothing. And what you can do is to make an appointment with a super advisor at your fund. It's no extra cost. So in other words, you pay for it in your fees. Like, so you might as well take the opportunity to go and talk to someone who knows, who can give you a bit more information about your particular circumstances. I did it a few years ago. It was great. Like really great. So you just go into like, some of them have apps or the website and you just organize an appointment. It's like an hour and they'll tell you, you know, what would be the best thing to invest in for for your circumstance, you know, like I'm hardcore aggressive investor. (laughs) (laughs) Because I'm like, let's just... It's a while away. It's a while away. Let's just ride this wave and, and you know. Yeah. And I love the stock market. So, but, you know, that's not for everyone because, but, you know, like the, the woman you were talking about, the 26-year-old who was in the cash fund. I mean, that's terrible. That's terrible because, and that happened to me, actually. That's why I got into interested in super. Oh, really? I moved to Australia. We didn't have, we only had KiwiSaver. I don't know if it was even a thing. Yeah. And I joined a fund. I won't say which one it is, but it's not a good one. And I was in a job for two years and I, I, I got the statement when I left that job and I'm like, what? I've made no what? money because <laughs> I, I was in fees. all cash. Oh, wow. And I was 20, mid-20s? Nah, that was terrible. Yeah, and if you just wow. end up in your employer's default fund, you might end up in something that's completely inappropriate for you. And if you have never actually logged in to have a look or open the statement, maybe the statement tells you. But, um, yes. yeah, it's really easy to go for years, decades. We've heard people go past without checking in on their super and actually finding out what they're invested in. So Correct. And the default fund is often like a balanced yeah. option, which is okay. It's better than cash. <laughs> it's better than cash. And it's often the low fee my super option. But you could maybe have a better option if you just made the time to talk to someone or, or choose the right options for you. Yeah. And in your research, what are some of the things you found out about the money lessons that we learned growing up and how they affect our decision-making around super as we age because most of us don't, our parents aren't sitting down and like taking us through the super talk <laughs> like they might take us through some other life lessons. Correct. Um, and s- I mean the teachers aren't talking about super even though they're hopefully getting paid some. So, yeah, what do you what do you think is affecting us as we grow up and what's stopping us from thinking about super until it's way too late often? Yep. So I'll, I can talk about this isn't all related to super because, but I can I can talk about like the economic socialization that happens when you're a child, and and how that affects you. So, uh, and the research that I'm doing. So I've now analysed the first set of um, twenty interviews that I've done, yeah. and this is like real fresh off off the press <laughs> stuff. Exclusive, <laughs> yeah. unbreaking. Here I'm we not go. Kidding. I spent last two weeks coding my data like it was horrible. So, so in heteronormative families. So mum and dad, it seems that the dad is responsible for like the big picture type stuff, the investing if they do invest, uh, whereas the mum tends to be the day-to-day, you know, budgeting, doing the shopping. Finance controller, yeah. Yeah. So if girls and, and young girls, they look to their mothers. So that's 
research that's not mine, um, so that the, the same-sex parent is the most influential. So if young girls are looking to their mothers and seeing them doing this day-to-day budgeting, how do they then go ahead later and do a big picture, yeah. you know, for themselves? Yeah, because they're not seeing it demonstrated. Yeah. So that's, that's one thing. Uh, as you mentioned about school, hilariously, or maybe not hilariously, <laughs> no one learned about money at school. No, no. Like absolutely no one can remember and learn anything about money at school. I mean they did math classes and maybe the odd one did a commerce class, but mm. they don't remember. And if they did have some lesson, they don't remember any of it. So... But you can calculate the circumference of a circle, which is really important <laughs> it, later in life. Everyone wants to know pi r squared, just that in case is, you're wondering. Yeah, I'm constantly using that How to that play one. dodgeball. Very important life skills. Pythagoras, you know. Yeah, yeah all those important <laughs> oh, things. thank God I learned that. <laughs> but, I mean, it doesn't mean that because you didn't learn that at school that you can't then go on to be financially capable later in life. And that's sort of what I'm figure, trying to find out, you know, because if, well, this entire group of women didn't didn't learn these money lessons in school, but then a lot of them are actually pretty financially capable. Where has that come from? So my sort of theory at this point is that it's coming from these sources of self-efficacy. So it's not just parents that provide efficacy. It's uh, friends, family, and then influencers or people who are perceived as experts. So... I'm looking at God, you're gonna. I'm gonna lose you all here. But <laughs> Go so for it. self-efficacy is basically the belief that you can achieve a task, mm-hmm. and it's gained in four ways. And this is according to psychologist Albert Bandura. I'm looking at two of them. So the two I'm looking at are verbal persuasion. That's someone like cheers you on or tells you about something that they've done, and you go, "I can do that." Yeah, like hey, I just. Checked in my super, I added an additional contribution. Why don't you do that too? Correct. That is verbal persuasion. (laughs) And then vicarious experience is when you see someone do something and you're like, oh, they did that. Yeah. They invested for the first time. Why can't I? Yeah, exactly. And then on the flip side of that, I'm also getting a few more, a few examples of negative vicarious experiences. So that's where something, someone did something and it, it was terrible or it went horribly wrong in a financial sense. And they're like, I never want to do that, so I'll make sure I don't because I'm going to take these steps to stop it. Yeah, like hearing one horror story from a friend using a financial advisor or something and that puts you off the whole industry and yeah. using it full stop. Yeah, yeah but then on the on the flip of that, or you, you then maybe talk to someone else who you trust that can give you advice or something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, so that's... Which, can I stop you? Is it yeah. more common to have that kind of negative... Um, vicarious than a positive yeah so like you know that there's that saying uh, an unhappy customer tells 10 people a happy customer tells three mm-hmm. i feel like at least in finance you hear a lot of negativity so this is what i'm learning uh, i think yes yeah it seems that the negative experience is, is something that really sticks with people so I, I spoke to one young woman and she talked to, and she wasn't the only one who referred to a grandmother uh, who had a late life divorce and ended up with nothing mm-hmm which then made her like pay attention to her superannuation because she's like, I don't want to be in that situation. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they're very influential, these negative vicarious experiences. And what else was I going to say because so I've forgotten the, the question. You did the, you did the two that um, you've been focused on. Yes. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. I've, gosh, I've got so much so much to say. But so secondary influences of um, financial literacy, so they're 
So we talked about parents, but there's also a spouse, extended family members, friends. But data suggests that trust plays a huge role. And so maybe your uncle is very financially successful, but you you actually don't think he's a good guy. So maybe you're not really going to, you know, listen to anything he says. So, yeah, it's, it's this whole thing called source credibility where it's based on either someone's perceived to be trustworthy or has expertise in an area or they're familiar to you. And if they have one of those, you're more willing to take on that verbal persuasion or yeah. that vicarious example that you've seen. So those identifying those powerful sort of role models that you trust in your life and they are probably a strong source of information for you. Yes. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I probably see that in my own life, the people that I trust and I think are somewhat successful in their life, I'm probably a lot more likely to take on what they say when it comes to finance and business than someone else that might not have experienced this or had a string of bad luck. Yeah. I don't know if that's exactly the right way to approach it. but No, no, that's 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 the way. Mm. And then the one who has a string of bad luck, that's a negative experience. You don't want to do that. You want to do the yeah. opposite. Yeah, it's a lot from like, I don't want to be like them, so I'm going to take all these steps to not go in the same direction. Mm. Yeah, so trustworthiness, it's a huge key when it comes to superannuation, especially around the government's control of it and the way it's legislated. It came up again and again. They have this lack of trust in the system, so they don't bother engaging with it. They're like, well, that money's locked away for how long? And even even at that point, will I even get it? I heard one young person that I, I know tell me the other day, oh, super's a, just a scam. <laughs> and he's just... Source oh credibility. Yeah, he's just, um, he's written off the whole thing. So he doesn't want to do make any changes. He wants to keep it in cash just because he thinks the whole thing's... And so, yeah, it's, it's interesting. And how many people does he go and convince of his opinions there it's uh yeah that's frightening or he's the negative vicarious and everyone's like i don't want to be like that guy. <laughs> yeah, that guy's crazy <laughs> <laughs> so we okay so that's what you've kind of realized that those are kind of the the, the things that people are feeding in mm-hmm. how do you get people to engage so you know how i was talking about those three encounters so invest uh co- sorry combine contribute invest yep. yep okay so in my research what i've found is the verbal persuasion source is very, very strong. So when it comes to the invest encounter, so that's, you know, choosing the right investment options for your age, it's the verbal persuasion of friends, fathers, partners, and superannuation advisors that has a really strong effect. Mm-hmm. So... Not podcasters. Well, funnily enough, <laughs> I mean... Come on. I'm, the Barefoot Investor did come up. In yeah. my in my <laughs> in of my course. work, and he has <laughs> the trust there. Yeah, but he came up more in the um, combine encounter. Oh, okay. Right. Okay. Yeah. So that's you know choosing one fund and, and instead having, of having a hundred running around. Yeah. 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 So yeah, it's it's interesting. So when it comes to investing, I, I found this so strange. These women, a lot of them had actually chosen aggressive investment options, hmm. and which is. For them, probably great. And then it was all based on something someone had said, someone they go cycling with, um, someone's dad, and then they just did it. They just went online and changed their options. But at the same time... One person. One person. But at the same time, when it comes to other financial decisions, they will research the hell out of it, like buying a car, getting credit cards. So I I don't know why that is. I don't know. Is it because the verbal persuasion or that 
trust element or that source credibility is so strong? Or is it that super is so far away that you're like, might as well? Yeah. Well, I guess buying a car, you're immediately impacted by having that potential car loan and you get the car then and there and everyone can see your car. Whereas the super in 30 or 40 years, I guess maybe changing the super option doesn't have a, doesn't seem that big of a deal. There's no immediate effect. So they're like, let's just go for it. Might as well. Yeah. Like I could convince you maybe to have an ice cream on a cold day, but I maybe couldn't convince you to buy, you know, like 50 ice creams on the day. So if you don't, if there's no like real cost for you to do something, Maybe the verbal signal is enough yeah. to get you over the line, right? And the, and the trust that you have in the person telling exactly. you. Exactly, yeah. Maybe that's enough for that one seemingly costless decision just yeah. to go online and fiddle with Cause it. Because it, it doesn't cost you anything. And I did ask every single uh, woman that I interviewed the same question. So the uh, regarding this, this idea of hyperbolic discounting, so that's the future value of money. Yeah. So I asked them, if, you, if I could give you... today or $15 in two weeks, what would you take? And then I also asked them, $100 today or $150 in six months, what would you take? The answer relies totally on the immediate need. So if they don't have enough money for groceries this week, they'll take that money. But if they're like, oh, no, I can wait two weeks, $15, that's a pretty good return for two weeks. Yeah. So... I guess that's a, a different, a more adult version of the marshmallow test that Correct. people always talk about in their books and on their podcasts. Yeah. Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah. So it was interesting. It was sort of a, a bit of a split, you know, like what they would take. It definitely got more challenging the longer they had to wait. So the six month, it became a bit more, oh, I might take the hundred now. Yeah. So it really depends on uh, how these people see the future version of themselves and if they see a future version of themselves. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people are like, oh, I'm probably not going to be around when I'm 60 or 70. Like, life's short. Why should I worry too much about my super? Why should I be making additional contributions of the money I could spend on a, a great holiday? Yeah, yeah. That's exactly right. Can't take it with you. That's what they say. <laughs> <laughs> interesting. Yeah. Interesting. So, Kate, I feel like this is a, a good question for you to ask, Ron. Yeah. So, now that sort of you've identified those key things of combine and contribute and invest. Mm -hmm. Um, What are some of the ways if you've sort of sorted your own super out and you're feeling pretty confident that you've got the basics down pat, like in terms of being sort of a superhero for your friends and family, like and raising the topic of super and being the person that can help them or get them to have a look and care about their retirement, what are some ways to get them to get your friends and loved ones thinking about their super and helping them take steps in the right direction to secure their retirement? So in my research, it really is just talking to people. Yeah. That's all you need to do. Yes. (laughs) I mean, super funds, you know, they spend a lot of money on research and marketing trying to figure out how to engage members. And, you know, it's a a real hard ask because, you know, people in this group, the millennial age and even younger, it's it's difficult. You know, they're not going to they're just not engaged, not as engaged as older members. You know, the closer you get to retirement, the it's, you know, retirement becomes in sight. You're like, oh man, it's, yeah. it's nearly there. I can feel it. I can touch it. So now I want my money. Now I'm going to take an interest in my money. So yeah, it, it really is talking to people. You know, I, I one of, in one of the interviews, I, I spoke to a young lady who was so adamant because she became so invested in 
understanding super after listening to the Pineapple Project. (laughs) And she went on to influence her best friend. Um, And it actually worked. So, I mean, that's that's what I'm looking at, that those sources of self-efficacy and how they drive people to make a change. I think sometimes people are just, they don't think that super is a good topic to bring up in conversation or maybe they're scared to talk to their friends or family about it. and Or they don't feel they don't know enough yeah. at times. Yeah. And really just start the conversation and send people to the Money Smart website. And I mean, we've got a free super course and just send some, give them some basic resources, flick them a Facebook message and say, hey, have a look. Yeah. Do you want to talk about it over coffee? Yeah, that's probably the easiest way. Yeah. I'd find that I'd be most receptive to that. Like you actually talking to me about it would be like I think Tash Invests who came on the show, she talked about this and she said she had a massive advantage in her upbringing. So that's how she achieved like what she's achieved financially. Because her family spoke about Because her about family talked money. about it at the dinner table every day. Like they talked about finances in front of her and then that made her confident to Yeah, and think that, about it makes you think the conversation's okay. So, I mean, just talking to your friends and just mentioning it a little bit, hey, I did – or even if you make a change with your Supra, just mentioning it to your friends that, hey, I, I did this to my Supra, it might <laughs> might spark an interest in them and they might go, oh, I should have a look too. It, it works because I am that friend. So I will talk to my friends about anything I do in Supra. <laughs> and I know that some of them have made changes based on what I've said. Yeah. So, I mean, you just don't, it's really hard because you want people to have a financial well-being in retirement. You want all your loved ones to have access to healthcare and, you know, sure. housing and all that stuff. But how, how, do you, <laughs> how do you get them to care 20, 30, 40 years in advance of that? Yeah. And, um, like, it's not, it's not a simple answer, but, you know, this is what I'm looking at and just talking to people. If, you, if you've done something and you feel it was worthwhile, talk to people about it. So not having to overcomplicate things. I mean, sometimes we forget the power of a simple conversation. Yeah, Hey, that's why the podcast exists. <laughs> so if I uh, if I took money out of my super during COVID mm-hmm. because there was some rules there that allowed you to take out up to $20,000, yes, $10,000 per financial year, this is touching on your contribute uh, strategy, I guess. Well, all of it, but contribute and investing. Yep. What are some of the ways that people can get their super back on track? It just goes back to those three things, combine, contribute, invest. And as I said, two of them cost you nothing. So combine costs you nothing. Combine. What's the best way to do that? MyGov. Go to the MyGov website. It should show you uh, every super fund that you've got money in. Yeah, it should if you've got your tax file number there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, (laughs) Yeah. And then pick one and put, you know, you can, if you would like, and put put your super into one fund because that means, you know, as I said, one set of fees, one set of insurances if you have a balance over 6,000 and you're over 25, and then, you know, Less fees compounded over 20, 30, 40 years makes a difference to your final balance at retirement. So Yeah. And then, okay, so I've gone into MyGov, done the change. I've got one super fund, takes a few days, say. Then what can I do? So you could think about contributing more if you're in a position to do so. So how would I do that? So there are two uh, ways. You could salary sacrifice. Um, That's most beneficial to people who earn over, I need to know the exact number. $56,112. $56, so that's very precise. <laughs> as of today, right? Oh, okay. Yep. Yeah, right. <laughs> because it, well, it brings down your overall tax. 
Yeah, because it's before tax dollars yes. that are going in. Yeah. So you could do that if you're, you know, if your employer offers that, or you could do a before tax contribution. And the cool thing about these is if you earn under, I think it's forty one thousand one hundred and twelve, but it's best if it's if you earn a little less, you get a government top up. So I think the it's co-contribution. The right? co-contribution. Yes. That's it. Thank you, Owen. I should know that. <laughs> yeah, no, no worries. I think it's around thirty seven thousand. Yes, something like that. So if you earn that and then you put in, I think it's thousand dollars, yep. government will match yeah, they ex- 50 cents. To, yeah, yeah, up to a certain limit. Up to a certain limit. And um, when I was looking at the that encounter in my data, I've tagged it as reward. And it's apart from the verbal um, persuasion, mm-hmm. the people who do the get the government co-contribution, that is a major influencer of them actually adding to their super because yeah. they're like free money. <laughs> Which it is. If you know about it. If you know about it. Yeah. Yeah. So you can Google ATO co-contribution and it comes up. It's really simple to do. Yeah. But you, And it's best if you're like you said, I think it's $37,000 around that mark. Basically have a look at it if you're earning below say 55000 Just have a look at it. And anyone can contribute to super, right? Like, oh, it's 41112 I think. 41112 Okay. So we probably right. shouldn't have recorded this on the first day of the new financial year because <laughs> yeah. a few check. things have I changed. I promise I checked. <laughs> yeah, no, we'll, we'll put all the links in the show notes for anyone that is interested. So go check that out because it is super important. That's what we're talking about. And like anyone can contribute, right? Like you can contribute money to super. We're just talking about the incentives or the schemes to do it. Yeah. And get the most bang for your buck, right? That's right. Yeah. yeah. So, so you said, I think you said before tax before. Basically, someone could get their money um straight from their employer, like a salary sacrifice, straight to the super fund. So you don't even see it land in your pocket. Yeah. Or you could get it in your pocket and then put it in the super fund. That's right. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then you claim a tax deduction and that's right. Yes. Yeah. I mean that's what that's what I do. I um I B pay money to my super fund each month and you can set up an automated payment and then fill in the form at the end of the financial year to to claim it back. That's good. If you you know if if you can get a little something from the government for your efforts, I think that's great. I mean, either as a tax deduction or as a, a bonus amount of money in, into your super, I think that's great. But you might not be in a position financially to contribute. And so that's why I mentioned the other two options, which are combine and have a look at what you're invested in. And that's yeah. the final one there. How do you look at what you're invested in? So just log into your super fund, which hopefully you've combined, so you only have one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you can, they're pretty well designed these days. They, they'll yep. show you what, you're invested in. There's lots of, you know, pre-mixed options. Maybe it's, you know, half. Let's say half shares, Australian shares, half bonds. Yeah. yeah. Although, yeah. No, just to say that's an example. Yeah. <laughs> or sometimes you can pick all shares. Yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah. And you, I mean, this is, and a lot of these super funds will have like a, a risk projection calculator, which would might show you what sort of amount of growth investments yeah. you should have versus defensive assets yep. you should have. Growth being Shares and yeah, global shares. Those two different types of shares would do that. Even property, you might put in growth. Depends on your depends where you sit on. Depends that. on your super fund too, like how they define it. And then you have things like sometimes they talk about alternative assets being mm. growth, but sometimes yeah. alternative assets, private equity, private equity, equity yeah. yeah, infrastructure. They kind of sit in the middle, and then you got cash and bonds. Mm. They're the non-growth, the conservative choices. That's right, and. I don't know, have you ever heard the rule that um, you should have your age in bonds? Like in 
conservative investments. I've heard so, that in investment conference once and I'm like, I'm I've not, heard that too. Yeah. So if you were 20, you would much. have 20% of your money in fixed interest or bonds. Mm. If you're 50, you'd have 50%. I still think that's too high for a lot I, of people. So the research shows that women especially, if you want to, if we want to bridge the superannuation gap, need to invest more aggressively up to the age of about, well, up to 40 is, is great and then slightly less up to 55 and once you hit that, you need to really come down to be more defensive because you'll be taking that money out in the five, ten years. Yeah, yeah but I think there was modelling done where they were looking at, you know, like 90% aggressive investment yeah, right. for 40-, 50-year-old people. Yeah, right. That's not financial advice. That's just what – No, no, that's just um, what the, you found in the research. Yeah, that was yeah. what we found. So, you know, because the super gap – it, other research shows, this is from the Melbourne Institute, that by the time men and women are 40, men have twice the super balance of women. And so. it's a bit hard to come back from that. No, yeah, you, it's really well, The only way yeah. you can do it is you can turn up the risk dial, but then that can go the other way, right? Like other than adding, if you don't have the capacity to add more, I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. Get, the only way you can get it back is take more risk, which can have unintended consequences. And that's another thing I looked at a lot in the research is risk. I mean, people are very... and. You know, there's studies that say women are more risk averse than men in sort of in the immediate sense and to do with like stock market stuff. Yeah. yeah. But I like to say women are more risk aware. Mm-hmm. So yeah. they'll take more time, they'll do more research before they go and buy a share. They're not going to be doing day trading and, you know, GameStop or whatever. And then they don't trade as much. So actually in the long run, they come out better off. But one of the codes that I coded a lot in the last few weeks was that shares, shares as in, is gambling. Like a lot of women see investing in shares, aggressive assets as gambling. So it's really, I mean, if you're going to go and change your investment options in super and here we are saying, you know, put it into, you know, lots of aggressive assets, it's scary. So that's why I say make the appointment, talk to the super advisor at your fund. It's no cost to yeah. you. An hour out of your day could mean a lot for your future. Cool. We're conscious of the time here, but uh, Kate, I know there's a couple more questions on your list. Yeah, I think the the main thing I wanted to ask to finish off the conversation is a lot of people, including myself, I'm always weighing up the impact of putting more into my super fund, which is going to be locked away for a long time, but I know there's tax benefits. I know it's good to put this money aside for my retirement versus investing outside of super for flexibility, especially as I want to be financially independent. How do you think people should approach investing inside and outside of super and what are the, the trade-offs there? So for a lot of the people I've talked about in my research, no, not they're not really thinking about investing outside of super, outside of owning a family home. So super is the main vehicle for that retirement and the well-being in retirement. So, I mean, there are a few who are investing in shares and ETFs and stuff like that. I guess super has the tax advantage, especially if you're in a high tax bracket, that's great, And but it's locked away. That's the disadvantage. There's also like that lack of control. So I guess if you want to invest and maybe you want to retire early like Kate does <laughs> um, and you want to have that flexibility of having some other money that's outside of super that's in your control that the government can't do anything with because it's not legislated, yeah. then investing outside of super could be a great option. I don't know. I, yeah. I, <laughs> I just think, but, you know, the, the people that I talked about, it wasn't yeah. talked with, you know, that. Because that was their main 
They're in their 30s. They're in the day-to-day. They're trying to get a house. They've they've got, you know, some of them having kids, getting Mm -hmm. married. A few of them are investing, but mostly it's um, sort of what's happening now. What can I do now? And, and, you know, investing is even, you know, there's a a time difference there as well. Mm -hmm. I found a lot of people, not just women, but a lot of people at the 30-year-old mark are in contemplation phase. They're kind of like, if I don't have a house, they're contemplating investing. But then they're like, well, maybe I will get a house, so I'll just keep thinking about it for now and see how I go. And they kind of never pull the trigger. And it's kind of like you kind of just have to start to get started. It's kind of it's silly, but I find that a lot, that anecdotal evidence, of course, not like rigorous, <laughs> not a PhD thesis, let's be honest. <laughs> but, but it's true when it comes to investing, and this is like not so super related, but you, you really do just have to do it. And that's another actually source of self-efficacy. So that's mastery experience. So apart from vicarious um, and verbal, there's mastery and that's doing something, achieving it and going, oh, I did that and I, I, I achieved it and now I can do it again because I feel like I accomplished that first task. Yeah. And it's, that's why it's just so important to have a go. Yeah. Investing and putting some money in super and having a look. And, I mean, it's a bit you can't go too wrong if you just sort of try contributing $50 to your super and go, oh, what's that experience like? Have I set up all the payment details and everything? And and then you can feel more comfortable that you can contribute to your super fund. And, Correct. Yeah. And you could talk to your HR department at work and get them to increase your personal contribution for your salary and say, oh, can I live on the amount of money minus that amount? Okay, I can. Maybe I can increase it next year. Yeah. Just taking small steps instead of thinking I have to go from cash to aggressive all at <laughs> once, change all my 10 super funds into one and just make too many drastic changes, just small steps small at a steps, time. Small steps, baby steps, yeah. Mm. And and that's what's going to have the long-term effect. Yeah. It's just a small amount of engagement now can really, really pay off for you later in life. I can't, I can't stress it. I can't stress it any more strongly. <laughs> mm. <laughs> uh, my, we didn't plan this question, um, but do you think it's – going to get better for women, like easier in terms of when I say better, easier, I mean, do you think if we cast our mind forward five years or 10 years from today, mm. next time you're on the podcast, maybe hopefully sooner <laughs> than that, but um, will women, if you did a longitudinal study, would more women be confident and have the capability? I would hope so. I really hope so. I, you know, there is this burgeoning area of women who are investing now, like especially in the last few years, you know. Yeah. With the growth of, and this is something I'm looking at now, these personal finance, online social networks, you know, they're really actually, they're getting into it. There's lots of these fintech influencers who are sharing their experiences and and people, and, you know, they are verbal persuaders. They are yeah. showing women how to do it. You know, I remember when I bought shares the first time, holy crap, it was so, I'm like, what the hell is this platform? <laughs> I don't know what that means. Uh, press the button. Literally. Yeah, and if you've got no one to talk to about, <laughs> yeah. it's very scary. It was really scary. So, in, yeah, four or five years, I really hope it will change, you know, hopefully with research that I'm doing. Hopefully, you know, the government is making legislative change. They've removed that 450 threshold. The The new website, I think it goes live today, the new Your Super website that compares. Yeah, I think they were going to announce all the bad super funds That's right. this week. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And then the stapling of funds, which I think is happening in November. Yeah, so your super fund follows you around. Yeah, so no no so you, more of these multiple funds. Yeah. 
So at a legislative level, yes, there's changes. It's slow, yes. But then what I'm looking at is the behavioural changes that you can make yourself or being someone who knows a little bit about super, influence others as a verbal persuader or yeah, or, or another. I think that's a great thing to take away that you don't actually need to know too much to actually influence your friends and family to take some positive steps in engaging with their super. Even if it's just encouraging them to look at the website, you don't need to be the expert, but just giving them that little push they need to say, hey, I should look at this too. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I think that's a great way to end it. There's so much to take away <laughs> from this episode. Bronwyn, Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your wisdom, <laughs> all of the work that you've been doing, the research, like it's so exciting. And um, one of the extra special reasons we wanted to chat to you today is because if women wanted to reach out to you, if anyone thinks that they've got some something to share with you, could they do that? They sure can. I'm actually recruiting for my next round of research participants. Cool. Um, so it's again, women 25 to 40 who've got a super account in Australia. Don't have to be working, but have worked in the last few years at least, who use these online social networks, Facebook groups. Yep. So if you go to my website, missmoneybox.com.au, mm-hmm. got a link to a little a short survey. And cool. for more information, you can find out there. And you've got some blog posts there. <laughs> yeah, some <laughs> I, I do the have, archives. <laughs> they are quite like archives now because, yeah, I do have some blog posts on my on my site. I've been blogging for a while, but. Taking a bit of a break because I'm doing all this research and it takes a lot of time. So Yeah, so that's missmoneybox.com.au. Yeah, so we'll put full links in the show notes. This is It's so easy for you to do to, to help Bronwyn and to contribute to the research and it could be therapeutic. I imagine like cathartic is a word that comes to mind when you talk about you know, your experience with money. So I imagine some, some of the participants. Oh, it's actually a lot amazing of from the it. things that people will tell me. Yeah. I'm, I feel so privileged. Cool. And everyone's de-identified, by the way. Like, you, no one will ever know it was you, so. Yeah, yeah, cool. All right, Kate, as always, thanks for joining me on the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you so much for coming on, Bronwyn, and sharing some of your research with us. And we can't wait to hear when it's all finished and put together and you've got your PhD. Thank you so much. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Australian Finance Podcast, where our mission is to improve the financial futures of all Australians. If you'd like to learn more, create a free account at rusk.com.au forward slash account to download free episode workbooks, bonus resources, and take our amazing free personal finance courses. You can also join our online community by following the link in the description. If you enjoyed the show, what we'd love is for you to leave us a snappy review on iTunes. And you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Rask Australia. Kate and I are also on both of those channels. Finally, if you have any feedback, suggestions for episodes or guests to come on the show, or you just have a question for us, shoot us an email at podcast at rask.com.au.